Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Amen. Well, we're going to get into our text this morning. Uh, we're going to be at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. We're going to end that Get Your Life Right series. Have y'all enjoyed this a little bit? Just a, just a three-week series to get the year started off right. If you've missed some of it, I invite you to go back and listen to the last couple. I'm going to give you a little brief summary right now before we get into where we're going today. Um, if you were with us in week one, I told you that we would use uh, Matthew chapter 22, where we're talking through th- verses 34 through 40 as more of a theme for this series where in this scripture, Jesus is questioned on what is the greatest commandment. He says, what's the greatest commandment? And in that scripture, Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and the first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love, the, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, as I told you in that first week, we wouldn't actually be walking through this scripture and breaking it down word by word or line by line as we normally do on a Sunday. So I don't want y'all to get mad at me. I told you this is going to be a theme for what we're walking through. But by way of reminder, I specifically want us to understand that as we enter this year 2020, this new decade, yes, we should be taking care of ourselves. And yes, we should love ourselves, but the Christian is to do so in order to love other people. Which, hear me, is different from what you hear or see on social media or see on TV. It tells you to love yourself for your own good. The Christian loves God because they first understand how much they have been loved by God. And in turn, when you understand how much God loves you, you take care of yourself because you know that you're not your own. Family, he sacrificed his life for you, for me. And the Christian, when they understand that their life has been bought with a price that Christ paid on Calvary, there's a a debt that was owed by all mankind and Christ paid it. When you understand that, therefore, you as a believer, when you understand what Christ has done for you, you you, you no longer think of yourself as just your own. But you know that you now belong to God. And if that's true, it's kind of like if you borrowed something from somebody else, you're going to take care of it until you give it back to them. So it is the same with your body and what God has given you. You'll be a steward of your life, a good steward of your life, because you know that it no longer belongs to just you. You want to honor God. And friends, the good news in all of this, as I said in the first week, Your life now becomes this overflowing pitcher of water, if you will, where now it's flowing over and the water is trickling over into the lives of other people. And now, in essence, you are blessing to the people around you. Love God and love others. Again, the Christian does not care for themselves for themselves, but we do so in order to honor God. And in doing so, we affect others with our lives. Now, I know there's some of us in here saying, okay, Pastor D, cool, that's good. I love God and I'll love my neighbor, but how is that good for me? Where's the good for me? I'm glad you asked. Listen to me. Don't miss this. When we're loving God and we're 
loving our neighbor, now we're able to experience the joy of the Christian life. Watch this. When you live your life for God's glory, there is a fruit that's produced. There's fruit that is produced because of your faithfulness. So lives begin to change because of what God is doing in you. Communities can begin to change because of what he's doing in and through you. Cities can change because of what he's doing in and through you. And here's the best part about it. When you get to those so-called pearly gates in heaven, when you see Jesus face to face, he says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. That's good news. Renewal, that's why we have this three-pronged vision of renewing lives by the power of the gospel. We want to see lives rebuilt through discipleship. We want to release people to see, see this city impacted and this world impacted for Jesus. We want to see that happen. See, what we desire to see is that through what God is doing in and through us, this city is different because of that. It does not stay the same because he's working in our lives and now impact and change is happening in this city. Family, that's where we see true joy. It's in that fruit, and that's something to look forward to. Lives in this city possibly changing by the work that he's doing in us. That's something to think about. That's something to actually look forward to, God doing that crazy work because of our faithfulness. That's joy. But I know why some of y'all aren't amening right now. Because 2020 hasn't been joyful. It's only three, or three weeks in, and you're, you're, we're lacking joy right now. We're lacking joy. And, and you know what the biggest killer of your joy is? It's not Satan. I mean, he can steal your joy too, but it, it's not people. It, they can take your joy. They do it a lot of times. But you know what the biggest killer of joy is? It's our own pride and dissatisfaction. See, living in America where we live in this society where this is so-called ladder that we need to climb see the biggest killer of our joy is when you feel like you should be further along in your life than where you are right now and hear me maybe you should be maybe you should be maybe there's some circumstances things that happen maybe you should be should be but many times we have this heightened understanding of reality of where we think we should be and and truthfully in reality you're right where you're supposed to be and here's the truth. If God wanted to put you someplace else, if he wanted to do something else in your life, he could do it. He created us. He could move mountains. He could do all those things. He could do it. And don't hear me saying that you need to stay in a hard or a bad situation. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes, family, we need to learn how to just be. Stop moving. Trust the Lord and learn to be faithful. And I'm not just preaching to y'all. Y'all, this is a message that I need to hear daily in the deep parts of my, my soul. Just be there. Just, just be. Scripture says in Psalm 46:10, it says, I love this scripture. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. Friends, hear me, as we walk, and, and we're about to talk about self-discipline this morning, this is a hard one. It's a hard one because in our lives, especially living in this progressive city, Chicago, there's always more to do. 
There's always something else that's pulling at us, that's tugging at us to get our attention, to get us to be involved in something else. We don't know how to stop. And because of that, you know what the first thing that we throw out the window is? We're just going, you know? You know what the first thing is that we throw out the window? Discipline. Next thing you know, you're all tired and you burn out. You're like, how in the world did I get to this place? You ever ask that question? How did I get to this place? Before I get too far off and preaching this morning, I'm excited about this, y'all, if you can't tell. 1 Timothy 4, 7. Let's get back to that text. Remember, I want you to text in your questions this morning, 224 216-4062. They're going to have, we're going to have a Q&A after the second service. My wife and I will have a question and answer. So I know y'all are in the 930 service. It's going to be after the 11. So you can stay for both services or you just come back. But I'd love for you to be here doing that Q&A with my wife and I. Ask your questions. Text them in now. Write them down. 1 Timothy 4.7. I'm not going to have you stand. It says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather... Train yourself to be godly. Very words of God. Today I want to preach on this topic. Self-discipline begins with spiritual discipline. Just turn to your neighbor real quick and say that. Self-discipline begins with spiritual discipline. I know y'all, I tell you, that's a black church exercise. You know, talk to somebody next to you. Self-discipline begins with spiritual discipline let's pray father thank you so much for this morning you're a good god i thank you for how much you love us i thank you for your death burial and your resurrection i thank you for just being here today we don't deserve your mercy or your grace but you extend it god i ask that you would just fill my body that you would speak my mouth that it wouldn't be me that people hear but it be you going forth father we need a word from you May you be lifted up in this place and glorified. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we all said together, amen, amen, amen. Anybody in here ever watched the, the show 600-pound life? I'm, I'm, I, I actually love watching this show, 600-pound life. Um, I really, I, I just got to be honest with y'all. I'm slightly fascinated with the show, and my wife can't stand it. She's a fitness professional, and she's just like, I, why do you watch this show? And I, I actually, I like watching it. I watch the show, and as I'm watching it, I pay attention to everything the patient's saying, but I also, most importantly, pay attention to everything the doctor now is saying on the show. I, I pay attention to all the words and everything he's saying, to his patients, he's the bariatric surgeon that the people are coming to. And, and, and sometimes when he talks to these patients, he can be very, um, pretty harsh, rude, and, and understandably so, because they're coming to him for some type of bariatric surgery. They're trying to lose weight. And before he does any work on them, or, or approves the surgery, he, he says, you need to go out and you need to lose a certain amount of weight. You need to lose a certain amount of weight. One, for health reasons, but two, don't miss this, because if they're not disciplined or care enough about actually losing weight, if they're not disciplined to lose this little bit amount of weight that he gives them, then, then, and then here's the truth. Don't miss it. If they're not disciplined to care that much about themselves, 
then what's going to happen is that after they have the surgery, they're probably going to go back to being morbidly obese or even worse off than they were before. So he says, you got to go care about, you got to do this. You got to be disciplined to do this. And as I'm watching it, I love it because it's, it's some episodes, people don't make it. They're like, I, I couldn't lose the weight. And so they don't actually get the surgery because they did not have the discipline or the care for themselves to actually lose the weight. See, and, and here's the truth. There's, nobody gets to be that large or morbidly obese because of genetics. Somebody might be, well, it's genetically. No, no, it might have started out genetics, but it doesn't actually end in genetics. Here's the truth. There's something that happens to them, whether it be emotionally or physically, that, 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 that triggers them, and they eat to console themselves. They, they eat to escape or they run to something, and it seemingly gets out of control. And family, here's the point. While maybe none of us in this room may be struggling with a 600-pound life, maybe that's not us, we all have things in our life that trigger us. We all have things in our life that trigger us and discipline is thrown out the window. And what we do, we, we run to something or somebody else to escape, to fix us, or to console us. We all have those places. Think about that place for you. And hear me, the problem with this is that whatever it is that we continue to run to, or, or, or go to as, a, as an escape. It cannot be handled by us just becoming more disciplined with our time or, or just increasing our strength in the battle. Because hear me, if it's an escape, if it's a place that you continue to run to over and over again, that's the place you go to, it's no longer just an escape. It's no longer just a place that consoles you. It has become an idol. It's an idol. You, you, you're now worshiping it. The, 600, the people on the 600-pound life, they can't just stop eating because that's, a, that's a, something they worship. They, they run to that place. The guy or girl that's struggling with pornography, they can't just up and say, well, I'm done with it today. I'm going to stop watching it in their own strength because it's more than just a slip up. It's fueling you now. It's something that satisfies a deeper part in your soul, at least temporarily. The person that's running to sex, that's running to alcohol, that, that, that's, that's running to all to money, to their, to their job. The, the person that, is, that can't put their phone down, they can't get off Instagram, they, they just got to look at everything that's happening. That person, hear me family, whatever it is for you, they can't just stop running there anymore or stop on their own because it's no longer just a habit. It's an idol. It's an idol. And friends, hear me, idols or things that have replaced worship to an almighty God always overpromise and underdeliver. That's why we always got to keep going back to it. We, we always need more of it. It's, it's sin. We, we got to keep running back to it over and over again because we need more. And in our own power, I need you to hear me, we can't just up and stop running to them. They have to be replaced. Which is why I would venture to say that anything you've allowed that type of power over you, it cannot just be stopped by you. And the only path to freedom is to replace it with the thing or person that is worthy of worship, that is stronger than that thing you're struggling with. Worship Jesus. Worship Jesus. See, the truth is everyone is always trying to figure out how to live this more disciplined life. We want more discipline in our life. How, how do we do it? And the first step to a more disciplined life, hear me, is spiritual discipline. 
This is why I say this. Every other discipline you put in your life will eventually morph. It will change. You will need more of it or it will never satisfy you. You will need more. But the steadiness and the faithfulness of God is unmatched since the beginning of time. God does not change. For example, if I work out, that's a great thing. I, I like working out. That's a great thing. But I only can lose so much weight. I only can gain so much muscle. And then eventually, I'm going to need something else. I'm going to need more of it, or I'm going to have to go on to something else. But when I'm getting to know Christ, when I'm getting to know God, it never gets old because my finite mind can only begin to imagine this infinite deity. You see, so, so it, it's impossible to get tired of God because there's always more to know. And see, if that's not good enough, here's the, here's the reality. It, this, if that's not good enough to help you run after Jesus, as a Christian, I believe that Jesus made me in his image, which means that getting to know him is my life's mission because when I get to know God, that means I get to know myself. So hear me, in order to have this more disciplined life, it has to start with spiritual discipline because God is an unlimited source of satisfaction. Never gets old. Our spiritual discipline leads to discipline in all areas of our life. What we do as Christians starts with discipline in our walks with God. Hear me, in, if my life as a Christian is to be lived to glorify God, then it can't, don't miss this, it can't just start with me having a good workout routine. But instead, my wanting to work out or my wanting to be fit has to begin with my understanding that my body is not my own, but I belong to God, so I want to take care of this vessel. He created me. Some of y'all missed that. Let me, let me say this one. Giving, me giving generously of my money in tithing or benevolence or offering, it doesn't start with me just saying, well, I got a, a surplus of money so I can give this. Or, or the fact that, oh, I just want to be benevolent because I can. I can give money away. It doesn't start there. It begins with me understanding that Christ gave up everything for me. So now I can give up my time, talent, and treasure willingly with a cheerful attitude knowing that that's what Jesus did for me. He gave it all for me. And when I give, I'm helping and advance the kingdom of God. Hopefully you're tracking with me with this. Discipline in your lives has to have the right starting point. It has to have the right starting point or else it will be futile. So in order to talk about self-discipline, we have to begin with spiritual discipline. The Bible speaks heavily, not just about being disciplined in your life, but it speaks heavily about spiritual discipline and actual spiritual disciplines. So this is what I want to do. I'm going to give you a list of 12 of them. This list is not exhaustive, but these are all disciplines that should be found in the Christian's Life. They're all in the Bible. Number one, a Christian is to study the word of God. Study, to, study and read and meditate on the word of God. Number two, a Christian is to pray. To pray personally, we'll pray with one another. Y'all can take a picture of this if you can't write it down. Uh, number three, the Christian is to fast. Give up things for a certain amount of time because we want to run after God. We want to know him more. Number four, the Christian should be known for confession. Confession of your sins, repenting of your sins. 
Say, this is where I am, but I'm running after you, confessing. Number five, the Christian should be known for worship. Worship in your own personal life and corporately right here. That means everything I give, I'm giving it away to God. I'm raising my hands. I'm worshiping you. Number six, a Christian is the fellowship. Fellowship with other believers. Fellowship with people around you that know Jesus. Number seven, a Christian is the rest. We don't do that well. Rest. Take time. Number eight, Christians should celebrate. We definitely don't do that one well. We keep going to the next thing. Celebrate. We should be known for our celebration. Number nine, service. We should be known for our serving, whether that be on Sunday morning and one of the teams here or serving outside in our community. That's how we impact the world. We, we should be known for our serving. Number 10, generosity. We should be known as a generous church. You see the beginning of the church, nobody had a need that wasn't met because the church was always given. That's what Christians are known for. Number 11, chastity. Chastity, which is anything that's sexually impure. We should be known for that. We should be known for purity as Christians. So anything outside the marriage union between a man and a woman in their bedroom, if God speaks to anything sexually impure. We should be known for that chastity. And number 12, Christians are to make disciples. Pour your life out on other people making disciples where the life this world is impacted because of you giving your life away. Make disciples. Now, I wish I had time. We'll keep it up there. I wish I had time to preach on each one of these, but I don't. But what I want you to see that these are habits of devotion. These are habits that have been practiced by believers since the beginning. So what I want to do is I want to give you some characteristics of spiritual disciplines as a whole. They are, number one, both personal and interpersonal, which means that spiritual discipline is to be practiced both privately and corporately. Let me help you understand this. As Christians, you pray privately. That's personal. That, that's, that's a personal spiritual discipline. But we're also to pray corporately, whether we're in church or with a gathering of other people. That's interpersonal, congregational spiritual discipline. We are to practice both as Christians, as spiritual disciplines, privately and corporately, because we see Jesus doing that. And then when you read the Bible, it prescribes both corporate and private practice of these spiritual disciplines. So we, we, don't, we don't want to think of spirituality and the spiritual disciplines just as something we do by ourselves. Christians are called also to engage others in the practice of spiritual disciplines. A second characteristic of spiritual discipline is that they're activities. Don't miss this. They are activities. They're not attitudes. Disciplines are practices. Spiritual disciplines are things that you do. They're not character qualities. They're not graces. They're not fruit of the spirit. Y'all tracking with me? They are things that you do. So when you read your Bible, that's something that you do. That is a spiritual discipline. You meditate on scripture. You, when you pray, when you fast, when you worship, when you serve, when you learn, when you give, when you... All of those things on down the line, these are all activities. Now hear me with all of this. Don't miss this. The goal of practicing any spiritual gift, discipline, anything spiritually disciplined, is not just about doing as much as it is about being. It's about being like Jesus. It's about being with Jesus. 
And the biblical way to grow to be more like Jesus is through rightly motivated doing of biblical spiritual disciplines. This brings us back to our text today. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. This is what Paul says in 1 Timothy 4 verse 7. Here, here we see the apostle Paul talking or writing to his, his son in the ministry, his son in the faith, Timothy. And he's telling him, this is what it looks like to be a good servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives him instructions on what the church and his personal life should look like. And what he's saying here in this text is that the goal of discipline is godliness. But the biblical means to that is to discipline yourself by the power of the Holy Spirit with the right motivations. Don't miss that. Now, what does that mean, though? Hear me. We don't just discipline ourselves to be better at life or this better person, but we, again, are disciplining ourselves for the purpose of godliness. And this breaks down practically in the things that you do. For instance... Joy is not a spiritual discipline. I messed somebody up right there. Joy is not a spiritual discipline. That is a fruit. That is a result of the discipline done rightly in your life. That is the distinction between doing and being. You can truly be joyful when you practice spiritual discipline rightly. Again, you can do these spiritual disciplines legalistically like a Pharisee or you can do them with the wrong motivations, but rightly motivated they are things Christians do in order to be with Jesus, to be more like Jesus. Y'all with me? Richard Foster in his book, uh, Celebration of Discipline, says this way. It's an awesome book. If you don't have it, grab that book. He says it this way. He says, a farmer is helpless to grow grain. All he can do is provide the right conditions for the growing of the grain. He cultivates the ground, he plants the seeds, he waters the plants, and then the natural forces of the earth take over and up comes the grain. This is the way it is with spiritual disciplines. They are the way of sowing to the spirit. By themselves, the spiritual disciplines can do nothing. They can only get us to the place where something can be done. So hear me, spiritual disciplines are not given to us, but we are to practice them. Christians are to pray, to fast, to read the Bible, to serve, and to give to be, in order to be more like Jesus. In essence, when you do these things, when you practice spiritual disciplines, you grow spiritually and your life changes. This is why when people come to me and they say, Pastor D, I'm trying to change my life. I want to do things right in my life. I, I'm getting it together. But, but, but yet, I still don't see a whole bunch of change. My first question to them is, well, what's your time with God look like? Are you reading your Bible? Are you meditating on Scripture? Are you journaling? Are you putting those things into action into your life? Well, what does is, what is that time with God look like? How do those things play out? What do those spiritual disciplines look like? Hear me, true change and discipline starts with spiritual discipline. Now, with all of that, if you haven't caught it by now, spiritual disciplines are not things that you just make up. These are disciplines that are found in the Bible. They're found in Scripture. This is important, especially in today's society, because without understanding, spiritual disciplines are biblical. We're prone to make anything out to be a spiritual discipline if it brings us pleasure 
or it makes us feel better. This is something we have to watch out for as well as notice. And I'll use myself for example. I told you on week one where I, where I like to play basketball because it, it, it's a way of caring for myself. I need to do it. But if I don't watch out, I could take that basketball, take something that's good, that's given to me from God, and I can make it the ultimate thing. And now I can put it on the level of scripture. And just like the people in the 600-pound life where they're running to food, I could start running to basketball instead of God. Spiritual disciplines are biblical, and if they're not found in the Bible, like prayer, fasting, or service, or giving, reading of the word, or the 12 that I named off in the beginning, then it's not a spiritual discipline. And it will not help you grow in Christ-likeness. So hear me, yoga and all the massages that we get, I like them too. They may feel you, make you feel re relaxed and all that, and it may take you to a place, but it's not going to help you grow to be more like Christ. It won't. I mean, the same goes for anything else. You could fill in a blank for whatever that thing that gives you pleasure, whatever it takes you to that place, it, it satisfies you, your coffee, your food, sex, whatever, money. It's not, if it's not in the Bible and it's practiced as a spiritual discipline in the Bible, then I, I'm telling you, family, it's not going to help you grow spiritually. We're told in these famous verses, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, that all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work so I mean when the spiritual disciplines are found in the Bible they're there because they're there to help us grow to be more like Christ hear me let, let me make it simple if it ain't in the Bible it's not a spiritual discipline so whatever else a person, don't, don't miss this, whatever else a person might be claiming regarding the spiritual benefits of some practice that is not in the Bible, something that may be uh, promoted by some other spiritual cause or spiritual group or spiritual leader, that if you do this or you do that, it will ex you will experience God and it will be very meaningful. Family, I need y'all to hear me with this. Do not be fooled. Regardless of whatever benefits someone may claim from, they get from, from something else that they do, the least we can say is, family, here it is. If it's not in the Bible, it's not necessary. At the very least, we can say if it's not in the Bible and you do that and it makes you feel good, it's not necessary. Because if it was necessary for our spiritual maturity or to grow in Christ's likeness, it would be written in these scriptures. It'd be right here. Spiritual discipline, disciplines are, are to take us deeper in our understanding of the gospel. And lastly, they are means, not an ends. They are to lead to godliness, which means that just because you do them, it doesn't mean you've made it. All right? As a Christian, they, 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 they lead to godliness, godliness, which means that the Christian has to do them day in and day out, over and over again. It's like going to the gym. I use the gym again. Just because you go to the gym doesn't mean you're going to lose weight. I mean, let me break that down a little bit. Some people get in their car, they drive to the gym, and they check in, and all they do is talk and be like, man, I can't even lose weight. You ain't touched the weight. 
I mean, you got to get on an elliptical machine or something. You got to pick up a weight or something if you actually want to train or lose some type of weight. It doesn't happen because you drove to the gym. You worked out your, your butt muscles sitting on the, on, the, on the chair in the car. No, you have to actually go work out. And the same it is with spiritual disciplines. It's the same way. You can't just read your Bible one day and then expect change the next day doesn't work that way. You have to do it day in and day out, over and over again. When you read this Bible, don't just read it, but pray through it, meditate on it, journal about what you actually read, then put it into action, and then watch your life change. Watch it change. With all this family, I said in the beginning, but practicing spiritual discipline leads to discipline in all walks of life and a deeper sense of satisfaction. Discipline has to start with God or the right source to really value the fruit in other disciplines. Now, what do I mean with this? If if you're sitting there and you're saying, well, I'm struggling with my discipline. I need more discipline in my life. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I would first ask you, with all that I've said, check your spiritual walk with Jesus. Check your discipline and your walk with God. And I know some of you may be saying, well, I'm disciplined without Jesus. Well, then I would tell you to check your pride. (laughs) Check why why you need more, why you can't ever be satisfied. See, when I shared about self-care in the first week, and I talked about just the things that you do, that this is biblical, family, the need for true self-care in my life really started when I came to know Jesus. When I started searching out the truths of Jesus and learning who I am in him. Now, don't hear me wrong. I was pretty disciplined before I knew Jesus, meticulous and all that. I thought I had it all together, but that was before Jesus. But in doing so, because I thought I had it all together, I was operating in a state of pride. And I probably wasn't that much fun to be around. I mean, in reality, I was popular. I was a statewide known athlete. I thought I was the man. I thought I could talk to any girl or get any girl I wanted to because I was that guy. My clothes had to match from head to toe. Let me me say a little something about this because back then your clothes had to match. Like you had to look good from head to toe. Your shoes looked the same as your outfit. And I'm talking about that because nowadays we can come out and we can have holes in our shirts and holes in our pants. The shirt costs $50 with holes in it. Like what? I mean, we, we, we buy clothes like that and that's in style now. But back then, if you had holes in your clothes, you got talked about. Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, you you didn't do that, but we do that now. It's in style. That's what we do. Point being, family, hear me with this, is that until I met Jesus, I was always putting on a show. I was always walking around or or working hard to have it all together in my own strength. I was the one that worked. I was the one that made the money. I was the one that achieved the accolades in football. I was the one who had great academics. I was the one. I was prideful. And I was living for myself. But then when I met Jesus, hear me, it's not that I got rid of the discipline that I had in my life or the things that I was doing because all of that stuff wasn't wrong. It wasn't necessarily bad. The things that I changed, hear me, don't miss this, were my motivations. My motivations start to change when I got to know Jesus. Now I wasn't living for myself, but now I'm living to glorify God. 
So when I pick up the Bible and I read scriptures in 1 Corinthians 6 where it tells me that my body is the temple of God, and, and, and when I'm reading that, I'm like, oh, man, I like to flee from sexual immorality. I'm like, man, I can't be out here having sex all the time. I mean, that, that's, not, that's not, I can't do that. No, no. So, so I said, oh, let me, this is why I, I put an accountability circle around me because I couldn't do it by myself. And I said, look, I need y'all to keep me accountable. And for three years until I got married, I did not have sex until I married Kaylee. By the grace of God. And I read that same scripture. I looked back in the same scripture. And I said, man, if the Holy Spirit's living in me, and this is the, my body is the temple of God, I can't be out here eating everything I want to eat. I can't be out here looking sloppy. No, no, no. I got to stay in shape. I need to work out. I need to dress. I need to groom myself a bit. This isn't just my body. Uh, then y'all still follow me. Hopefully y'all with me. I kept reading the scriptures and then I read the one for the day and I said, well, cool. Discipline at least to godliness. Then that means that everything I do should be in order to bring God glory. So, so I'm playing football. I'm having trouble with this in school. And I'm like, okay, cool, cool. I can't any longer just play football to be the best at my sport and do it just for me. No, no, no. I have to answer the question, who am I playing to honor? Is my play honoring God? Is what I'm doing honoring God? Let me keep going. If I wanted to be a good steward, I kept reading the scripture. I said, cool, well, what does God say about money? I found out that God talks about money almost more than any other subject in the Bible. It means that he cares about my money. So at age 20, you know what I did? I went through a financial peace class, and I've been living debt-free for years now because of what I learned about how I should manage my money. I hope y'all with me. I'm going to keep going, though. If I, if I want to glorify God with my time, I start reading the scripture. I talk to, see him to talk about rest. God, rest on the Sabbath day. God, God, rest. He says, rest on that day. And what does that look like for me? So I start reading. And I said, well, shoot, I need a schedule. So at age 20, the same thing. I put a schedule in. Back then, you had, you had paper and pen. You didn't have your phones and stuff. So you wrote it in a planner. You had everything. I'm walking around with that planner. Yeah, I'm the cool kid with a planner. I had the planner. I'm putting it all in there. And thankful to Jesus, now they got phones because it updated. And it's good now. It goes everywhere I go. Let me keep going. See, see and here's another one. Here's a big one, social media. Social media is a good tool, but it also can be time-consuming and toxic. And I'm thankful to Apple because they put this thing on there called restrictions and time limits. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. So on mine, after an hour and a half, you know what happens? If I'm looking through social media, I'm scrolling through Facebook or, or Instagram, it just shuts off. And it, it's a little time capsule comes down where the sand's draining through. It's like, you don't have no time left. And in order for me to get time, I have to go ask my wife for more time because she has the cold. And, if, and it's not that easy. I can't just be like, baby, I need some more time. She'll be like, what you need time for? I'm like, uh, you know, I'm good. It ain't that deep. I, I don't need to look at social media anymore, Kayla. I, I don't. And see, the reason being is I can spend way too much time, if I'm honest with y'all, just scrolling down, looking at nothing, and along the while, see some stuff I ain't got no business seeing. And some of y'all may think I'm crazy with this or weird, but there's so much more I could be doing with my time than just scrolling idly on a screen. I want to be disciplined with my time and honor God. Now, family, hear me. I'm not telling you all this to pat myself on the back. No, I know my story. 
I know where God took me from, the wayward place where I used to be and how he saved me from that. And now you see a pastor standing in front of you. I'm just trying to give y'all a picture so that now you can imagine what God can do in your life with a little bit of spiritual discipline and actually honor him with your life. See, I just want you to see that being disciplined starts with spiritual disciplines and the right motivations. My life did not change for the better to where I found complete satisfaction until I fell in love with Jesus. Family, let's start 2020 off right and choose Jesus today. Here's my challenge to you. I want you to start reading your Bible. 15 minutes a day. We all got 15 minutes. If you're reading more than that, then take it up a notch. 15 minutes a day. Pray before you read it. Read the Bible and then write about what you read. 15 minutes. Start there and watch your love for Jesus start to grow. And then watch your life start to change. Hear me, self-discipline begins with spiritual discipline. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your goodness. You're an awesome God. God, I just ask that you would continue to work in and through your church. Use us for your good and your glory. God, we know that you've allowed us to, if we call you Jesus Lord, that your spirit is living within us and that these disciplines these things that are there you yearn for us to grow to know you you want us to grow to know you Lord God I pray over this church as well as myself that that we would yearn to want to know you more and in doing so God we would practice the spiritual disciplines that we would do these things and become more like you God, let people say of Renewal Church, that's a church that loves Jesus. Those folks know him. And because of that, this city be changed by what you're doing in here. God, I pray if there's folks in here that are saying, I have been reading, I have been meditating on scripture, I have been praying, I know Jesus, but I need to get back on track. God, I pray that they would do so today. Pray if there's someone in here that's saying, I didn't know Jesus. I didn't even know that he wanted me to know him. God, I pray that you work in their hearts right now to draw them closer to you. That your word is sharper than a two-edged sword, God. I like to say you can pierce to our heart at the same time. Kill the enemy. So, God, I pray that we would run after you with endurance. Pray that we would remember get to know how much you sacrificed on our behalf and let us never forget how much you love us it's in jesus name we pray all these things amen thanks again for tuning into our podcast today i pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul i look to see you at one of our services at 9 30 or 11 a.m on sunday morning take care god bless you